0: In to the DNVR Draft Podcast presented by Manscaped. I'm Henry Chisholm, and I'm here with Andre Simone, and we only have a few more shows left before the draft. How you doing, Dre? Doing good, man. How are you? You know, I'm I'm feeling pretty good. I'm I'm starting to realize that we do have a lot of work to get done in the next yeah. like eight nine days, though.
1: Join the club. Yeah,
0: things are really starting to get fired up around here. And, you know, as terrible as it is that there's no football, part of me is thinking, wow, if, if I were going to spring practices every morning, you know, there's they were scheduled to have the spring game, I think, on the 26th of the day after the draft. But we'd be previewing that hard. We'd be going Buffs football super heavy and... Uh, I'm kind of overwhelmed even without spring practice. So I feel like I'm almost dodging a bullet here.
1: Yeah. Lucky for us. Gives us a little chance to reevaluate things next year. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but no, man, it's good. That's uh, it's good. Just lots to do lots of uh, more film to do and lots of more reports to bring you and all that mm-hmm. great stuff. So yeah, exciting.
0: You're bringing some more reports today, right? Yep. That's right. On this lovely Monday is that 21 more added today? So we'll be up to 32 draft reports uh,
1: at thednvr.com. Yep. And then launching our segment DMVR gems with more scouting reports on guys outside of the top 50. We really focused on wide receivers here early on and even some running back options, uh, some hybrids who might work and uh, you know, for those fantasy aficionados out there, some, some more breakdowns on running backs for you. So, yeah, exciting stuff. All right,
0: so we have the top 11 up. The whole first round might be up by the time you guys listen to this, depending on when you're tuning in. When people look at your big board, this top 32, what are some of the big surprises in there?
1: I think the biggest surprise will be Ezra Cleveland, who, as I finalized grades for these top guys, came in with a first-round grade. The fifth tackle in this class, 19th overall on my big board. Um, The Freak athlete from Boise State, uh, of course, blew up the combine. Perfect measurables. Slightly short arms, but makes up for it with his height and athleticism. And a 40-game starter for the Broncos, a guy who really played some extraordinary football against Power 5 competition. Game against Florida State. Extraordinary game against Washington to end the year. Was also um, terrific. So, just an all around, uh, very good player who's got those special traits in pass protection. Uh, So, he's definitely a big riser as he kind of separated himself from the rest of that loaded second tier.
0: So, if he's sitting at 19 on your big board, the Broncos are picking at 15, that's not a bad value then? No. In your mind?
1: It would not be a bad value for a guy who presents considerable upside and um you know really some some ready-made NFL skills already and he's not just a finesse guy either. He's got a bit of a nasty streak to him too, which I really like. Um so yeah, you're right. Wouldn't be a terrible value. Another guy who'd kind of fit that mold and we talked about him last week or last episode was AJ Epinesa who comes in at eighteen. I don't think that's a huge surprise, but definitely he kinda of, Consolidated himself as I finalized grades. Um, and then two of that second tier of cornerbacks kind of rose up in the top 32. Jeff Gladney of TCU. Uh, too physical and grabby sometimes, but man, I really like what he brings to the table. He'd be a really nice fit in Vic Fangel's defense. And CJ Henderson. I don't love him. I don't think Vic Fangel will love him, but a guy like that is going to be in the top 32. Uh, Just checks off too many boxes with his ability to line up in the slot, outside, off, press, play zone, play man. Um, With his fluidity, length, long speed, uh, he ends up at 27, despite some of the concerns I have about him giving up too many big plays. Austin Jackson, final name to rise up. He fits in in the last slot, 32nd overall. The more I familiarize myself with his background, the fact that he had that bone marrow transfer this last offseason. Um and missed significant time in spring training and what have you because of that. Still played at a very high level at the beginning of the year where I think his conditioning wasn't tested. And at the end of the year where I think he kinda caught up. I rewatched that Iowa game, not as bad as I remembered it at all. Some of those epinesis Sacks weren't even necessarily on him. Um I think conditioning with that lack of spring training really hurt him in the middle of the season that kind of caught up to him with a new quarterback and all that was going on at USC on top of that and rewatch some of that 2018 tape. I saw more explosiveness, more power. And if he could harness that power and explosiveness that he had in 2018 when he wasn't dealing with any medical stuff and then gets – adds to the more technical stuff he added in pass pro in 2019 and then just develops in general because he's still raw sky's the limit for him as well. So I had to have him at 32nd, Um, 32 in our board. And I really think he's a, he'll be a first round.
0: All right. That's a a bunch of good stuff. Is there anybody who slipped who, uh, maybe we wouldn't have expected to be falling down the board.
1: Just, you know, really in a lot of ways it was kind of the corners and uh, offensive tackles separating themselves. So maybe just a smidge Lucas Niang dropped. Mm -hmm. Um, A guy I've talked about glowingly on the podcast since the senior bowl, Marlon Davidson, dropped just a smidge. Um, Trevon Diggs dropped just a smidge. Um, Yeah, those are kind of the guys that ended up dropping just a little bit.
0: All right. Um, you guys should all be on the lookout for Dre's big board. There'll be more of it released today um, with scouting reports. Um, it's a bunch of really good information. It'll get you all prepped for the draft. Um, yeah. So check that out. Uh, we also wanted to talk about a report that came in from yes. Albert Breer uh, on mm-hmm. the Monday morning quarterback today, I believe. Uh, That's right. He said, and this is the quote. Okay. So who is looking at trading up? Three teams that seem to be investigating it pretty pointedly, Tampa, Denver, and Atlanta. The Bucks and Broncos, I've heard, could be going up for one of the top four linemen, Becton, Jedrick Wills, Tristan Wirfs, and Andrew Thomas, making Jacksonville's slot at number nine a potential hotspot, given the needs the Browns and Jets have at 10 and 11. It's not as clear what the Falcons would be pursuing, though GM Thomas Dimitrov has always, in the past, been more proactive than most in looking at the option of moving up. So yeah, well, that's intriguing. Sure. So that there is so much to impact there. Uh, first of all, um, that the Broncos are one of three teams in this kind of area of the draft trying to look at getting ahead. Uh, does that surprise you to hear that?
1: Well, first off, lying season, right? So this information could be leaked to Albert Breer for two two different reasons one is other teams telling them or agents telling him hey I've been hearing the Broncos wanting to move up for client my client or this other client or it's the Broncos somehow leaking this so that it's out there that the Broncos are interested in offensive tackle to maybe drum up a market maybe get other teams to jostle and move up and maybe that opens up a spot for a wide receiver to drop. So it's dual faceted. Not super surprising because the more mocks we do, the more feeling we get that one of those top tackles or wide receivers wouldn't be there. Obviously, we've pounded the table for six months now that those are the positions the Broncos should prioritize in these loaded classes. So no, not too surprising that you would try to move up to get your guys and use this extra draft capital to do so.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that that makes a lot of sense. And you made some good points about being lying season. Um, this is, it. it is a right. weird time because, you know, you think about it and it, it could help the Broncos if they're trying to move up and they say, Hey, trust me, we're not going to take any of your receivers. We, oh, we we're just trying to get tackled. Don't worry that one of those isn't off the board with us. Maybe they'll slip to you at 15. If you have that pick. Right. Um, and that could be a lie. But at the same time, you're building the relationships. You know, how close John Elway and John Lynch are, you know, John's not going to other John and saying, Hey, we're not interested in receivers, let's make this deal than taking a receiver, because that just ruins all of it. And so uh-huh. you can get right. away with a little bit more of that when you go through the media, and maybe that's what's happening here, maybe it's real. Um, you have to kind of take everything with a grain
1: of salt, though. Um, this time of year, for sure.
0: Just want to touch on another rumor to make sure we don't forget, but uh, there was a report that I also think came out this morning um, that C.J. Henderson might be very high. Uh, the, the, the The report said that uh, 40% of GMs uh, have C.J. Henderson ahead of Jeff Okuda on their draft boards, um, which would Bleach. be a lot more than we would have expected. Yes. Uh, and, and that report came in from... Uh, one second. just Oh, Matt Miller tweeted out that information. There we go, from Bleacher Report. Wild. So... That would obviously be huge, huge for the Broncos as well, uh, having a yes. another yes. cornerback be drafted in those top fourteen picks.
1: That would be massive, um, especially if you know. That, as the days go on, the more concerned I am that Tua in this draft, without having any certainty on his medicals, is might drop out of that top fifteen. So having someone like Henderson is really going to help offset that um, and still allow one of those Broncos targets to slip. I see it. Henderson fits that profile of guys that the NFL would prioritize. Um, Absolutely. The other thing that makes sense about this report is Jacksonville being the trade partner here. We talk about them all the time as, hey, maybe the Jaguars, anytime we do a mock, there's no clear-cut guy at nine. It seems like it would make a lot of sense for them to move down, and then, and in fact, this latest mock I was messing around with—that's exactly what I ended up having—was the Broncos um, moving up to number nine, especially because we were talking about eight just last week. Well, if Derek Brown is there for the Cardinals, no, eight is no longer in play. You now you reevaluate and you go to nine. If the Cardinals are taking defense anyways, and you still could get kind of your pick of O lineman and wide receiver.
0: Yeah, and I think I think that that Jaguars point is really interesting because for a lot of these teams, we're kind of putting ourselves in the GM's shoes and uh-huh. we kind of look at the roster, we look at the picks and say, okay, here's what would make the most sense. Right. But there are some GMs, some front offices, some teams that are a little bit tougher to read in those situations. And when you look at this Jaguars roster, you know they're only two years removed from an AFC championship appearance they may think that they're only a couple of pieces away internally while all of us outside are saying, no, they're nowhere close. And that's another part of this that makes that team in particular so hard to project is what, what is their feeling on the inside? Do they think they're close or right? Are they more on all of our pages saying they should probably try to find as many picks as possible
1: Mm -hmm. increase the odds. Totally. Um. Tampa's interesting in that just to unfold the whole report um, really ironing out because they're in win now mode with Tom Brady. It mm-hmm. makes sense for them to move up and get an offensive tackle because if they don't, that's another team that I do a lot of mocks where all the offensive tackles are gone and it's like, well, what do I give them?
0: Justin um, Jefferson. Like do they want a random right. defensive player? Is that what would help right. most? I, right. I, that's another tough one to read
1: just because we haven't seen what they are the on box. the field yet. Right, maybe you give uh, Brady Brady a safety blanket in someone like DeAndre Swift. Um, yeah. You know, but it it really is like throw, throwing stuff at the wall if all the tackles are gone and Tampa's there. Who, who knows? Um, so, yeah, well, uh, those two teams make a lot of sense, and the Falcons, as Breer points out, are always seemingly in the market to move up. The Falcons, I think, would move up for C.J. Henderson. That's another Henderson
0: Hmm. team. Here's another piece of this rumor, but the rumor is that the Broncos are most interested in these four tackles. Would you have expected to hear that part, or would you have expected that it may have been the receivers who the Broncos could be targeting?
1: Well, I guess we've kind of been back and forth. The more mocks I do, though, where it's not a simulator, it's the guys I have, so I feel it's a little more realistic, Mm -hmm. Um, what ends up happening is by pick 46, that offensive tackle market and that cornerback market has dried up pretty quickly. Wide receivers, though, you're getting great value at 46. You're getting great value with those three third rounders. You're getting great value across the board. So that's where maybe you prioritize tackle a bit more because uh, there's, there's more urgency to do so.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I see that. And I think it's, it's all, it's, it's kind of a strange time in the draft process when we're still a week away, um, 10 days away. And so it really isn't right here. And we also aren't really getting much new information. You know, we, we bring in these rumors and it's kind of this last second, who's going to be in this rush to trade up, but I still kind of see myself fluctuating on so many of these, these scenarios that the Broncos could find themselves in. Would you rather get a tackle or receiver Which tackle would you want? And how much do you emphasize being able to start week one this season? Or do you want somebody who could be better at the development? And there are just so many pieces of all of this that uh, we get to see sorted out in about 10 days now. And it's kind of interesting to hear um, which other teams are interested. Um, I do think that these trades are interesting because – um, they, it kind of sets the field for the competition to trade up that we'll likely be seeing. Uh, yeah. Tampa Bay is, I would guess, the, the most likely um, right team uh, that could be competing with the Broncos based on these reports. Um, and they're one pick ahead of the Broncos in the draft. So that kind of yeah. helps them out is that they're offering 14 and whatever else, whereas the Broncos are offering 15. You know, you, you look through the Bucks picks, they have 14, they have 45, but then they have the one-third rounder at 76th and the two fourth rounders at 117 and 139. You know, when they're putting together a trade package, they might be saying, we're hoping we can get for a third and fourth, but we're likely going to have to give a second. And if, if that's the case, just because the Broncos have that flexibility to give up multiple thirds, and that may be more the going rate instead of either the third third and the fourth which is too low or the second which is a little bit much they're kind of forced to catch up with the bucks and then you factor in that if the bucks offer first and second that's 14 and 45 instead of 15 and 46 so you're throwing a seventh in there at least to try to balance um yeah that's a scary scenario
1: yeah yeah yes it is yes it is i mean if that drives the price up then the broncos are in trouble um but they do have that flexibility to beat out the competition in a, a bidding ward to trade up, as you pointed out, with those multiple thirds and all that draft capital and flexibility they have.
0: Yep, and so that's how you have to hope it plays out in those scenarios is that the, the Bucks offer 14, a third, and a fourth, and the Broncos offer a first and two-thirds, and the Bucks don't come back and say first and second. So that's kind of the, right. the one thing that could – Really be the sticking point in all of this when Thursday comes,
1: well, and to move up to the second pick, I think you need to you just need <laughs> to give up a second. I don't think you're doing that for a third and a fourth or two thirds,
0: yep, yep, so. I would agree. um we're gonna tell you guys all about the offensive alignment in this draft, the tight ends in this draft here in a minute, but first, we need to remind you that. You know, it's a tough time for everybody. And the more you can support local businesses, the better. One of those local businesses is Breckenridge Brewery. And there's a pretty incredible way that you can support them right now. The farmhouse is still open. And Mm -hmm. they're taking delivery and curbside pickup orders. So if you're hungry, jump on there. Use the code DNBR and you can save $5 off your meal. Um, They have different specials every night. They have alcohol. They have their beer that can be delivered as well. Sometimes as like a pairing to the special, you can get a discount on some beer. Definitely check it out. Go to their website. If you're just looking for the beer, use the Breck Beer Locator on the Breckenridge Brewery website. It'll tell you exactly where you can buy whatever beer it is you want. Um, They support us, so we want to support them as much as possible. And we'd appreciate it if you can do your part. Uh, also we want to tell you about msu denver online Uh, yeah msu denver online they have over 40 different online programs um, each of which will give you a degree Uh, they have over 750 online courses so you have a whole bunch of different things that you could take classes in Um, so many options so many different routes you could take this Um, so if you're trying to change your career field if you're just interested in one of the classes you see on the website? Why not jump in and go get another degree, or go get your first degree, or just kill yeah. some time and learn some things? Um, there's really. a bunch of cool stuff on there. Uh, you can go to msu uh, denver uh, dot edu backslash online to get that all figured out. Yeah, big time. All right. Let's jump in, and uh you know what? Since since the tight ends likely won't be of that much interest for the Broncos uh, in this draft just because of the guys they already have. You know, they drafted Noah Fant with the first pick last year. They bring in Nick Vanette. Yeah. Uh, they still have Jeff Hireman. They have uh, Andrew Beck, who uh-huh. plays a bunch of different roles and looks good in all those roles. Um, and then you have guys like Jake Button, Troy Fumagalli still – who could turn out to be important pieces of good football teams. Um, although the odds are getting slimmer all the time. Um, and because of that whole situation, it's unlikely that the Broncos are going to be going after a tight end next week. But uh, just in case we want to talk through these guys, um, let's start here. Dre, who is the top tight end on your board?
1: Yeah. Cole comment is going to be the top tight end on most people's boards. Uh, From Notre Dame, kind of a surprise declaration because he was a guy who was expected to test the waters as a pitcher at Notre Dame for maybe the MLB draft as well. The NFL he declared um, somewhat surprisingly, and uh, he's that rare dual threat tight end because he can block really well. And while he's not going to be a complete mismatch in the passing game, He is a solid receiver with a really strong build um, and good length, tested well at the combine, so he'll be a very strong red zone weapon. He'll be a good kind of check down and safety blanket over the metal, and he can be pretty dangerous with the ball in his hand because he's just, you know, handful to take down. Um, Tough to find a good spot for him in these mocks, but I wouldn't be surprised to see a team like the – Patriots or even the Raiders pull the plug within the first two rounds um, in kind of old-school offenses that would like to use a tight end because those guys who can block and be a factor in the passing game definitely still have value in the NFL today.
0: Yep, and he, and he really stands out when you're watching tape of Chase Claypool um, because mm-hmm. because yep. it seems like pretty much every weapon in that offense is just so big. like They have so yeah. much size, so much bulk, and mm-hmm. a guy like Kmet – and he's he's a great blocker I think that he can step in and he he, I I almost see him kind of as an inverse of Noah Fant you know he's going to step in day one and be a really good blocker and you know he has the Uh tools to be a good receiver but whether he's able to get separation Mm -hmm. whether his strength just means that he doesn't need the separation like those are things that you kind of work out as you go kind of like for Noah Fant you work out will he ever be a good blocker or is he just going to rip this seam and that's good enough? Um, I really like him. Um, and you said that you could see him going in the first two rounds. You know, this yeah. is not a uh, very, I don't know. It's, it's not a highly anticipated tight end class. Um, where, where do you think Far from if you me. had to probably sa- easily, if you easily the weakest s- okay.
1: position group in the draft.
0: Yeah, okay. Yeah. Go ahead. If you had to set the over/under on when the first tight end is taken, which pick? Where would you set that over/under?
1: Like pick thirty-three.
0: Okay, so you think it's about 50-50 50 One goes in the first round.
1: Commit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. If you were to tell me when's this, when would you set the line to two tight ends being set? I might set that at like sixty-five. Okay. So so is, even is, then, maybe more like seven.
0: Is Adam Troutman your number two tight end? Because I know a lot of people think that they're kind of close.
1: Man, there is... um, For me, that next tier is pretty closely grouped together with Troutman in it, much like Hunter Bryant from Washington, Mm -hmm. Jacob Breeland from Oregon, Bryce Hopkins from Purdue, Albert O from Missouri. That whole group of kind of intriguing tight ends um, who could who could fit in a two deep rotation at tight end? Um, you know they're all kind of grouped closely together, and Troutman's in that mix. I don't like love him. I get the hype. I think there's just a lot of projection on yep. the Dayton tight end, and I I don't see a special mismatch who's going to get on the field really early. Okay.
0: And so, so for Troutman, you know, a, a lot of the hype is built around the athletic tools. Yes. You know, all the different things that he could do. Um, uh-huh. and, and the flashes he showed while at Dayton. Um, right. It, is that kind of the mold of tight end we're seeing throughout this class? Or are you seeing more of the Cole Komets who are the block first types? Who are also a very good receiver.
1: Right. Definitely more of the Trout. Types because okay. Breland from Oregon's kind of a, a mismatch guy, can be a little H back, can play a little, little inline, line up in the slot. Hunter Bryant is definitely that at Washington. Hopkins has a little more inline ability, but is more a receiving guy. And Albert O oh is the troutman mold completely. There's really one other inline guy early on, and that would be Jared Pinckney from Vanderbilt, who dealt with some injuries. And all of Vanderbilt's offense kind of fell flat on their face, um, the guys who had expectations coming in. Um, and then you have to go down to, like, Colby Parkinson of Stanford or mm-hmm. the Michigan tight end to really find the, the blocking guys, you know.
0: One guy who's really climbed up draft boards, specifically since the national championship game, is Thad Moss. Randy Moss's kid at LSU plays tight end. What do you think of him, and what has driven that rise?
1: Well, I think the, a really good season with the Tigers led to the rise, and then a pretty disappointing combine has kind of flatlined his stock. Okay. Um, he measured in under 6'3", so that's the problem. But he's a really nice – he moves well, and he proved himself to be an extraordinary red zone weapon. And I think that alone will get him drafted because the NFL says that as a specialist on day three, I have a role for you.
0: All right. Um, And what about Devin Asiasi, the tight end from UCLA?
1: Yeah, um, man, that that family is talented. Um, I've scouted a lot of them. Dare I say he's the least talented of the bunch. Um, No offense, though. He's he's competing against a bunch of NFLers. Uh, I don't know, man. You might have better insights than me. Do you think he has a place? I mean, is he that good a blocker? Does he move good enough?
0: I think it's the well-rounded skills that you really like, and I think you definitely have questions about the movement. Uh, obviously, specifically as a receiver, and then you do have questions with the with him as a blocker. Uh, maybe not as big of questions. I think that he could step in and be a, a a good blocker. You know, that's what he projects as. He is a bigger tight end, but sometimes jumping from blocking Pac-12 defensive ends to NFL defensive ends can cause more yeah. problems than you'd expect. And and so I, I do have more questions as a receiver than as an in or as a blocker. But, uh, I, I, I think he's one of those guys who you just have to see is, is he an NFL caliber fighter? Like, does he get the game? Is he going to learn? Cause it seems like for that tight end position in particular, um, that's one of those where it's just kind of like, do you mold? Do you, do you form yourself to fit into the mold that, the NFL provides one of the maybe three or four different molds for tight ends that the NFL can can take in. Um, totally, you know, it's just can he be? You know, he he wasn't breaking games at, at, at UCLA, um, but he might have a very similar role at the next level and produce a similar amount. You know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Total. Totally. We um we have to mention a uh, local product out of Littleton. Uh, Dalton Keene of um, Virginia Tech, who did very well at the combine, declared early, kind of surprisingly, could be both an H-back and a tight end. Um, Giovanni Ritchie of Western Michigan uh, could be a fullback, but has very good receiving stats as well. And Charlie Tomopau of Portland State, maybe he's the next small school tight end to to make a big of the NFL.
0: Out of Portland State, too. Hey.
1: Julius Thomas, right? Just like Julius. Just like Orange Julius. Yep.
0: All right. Uh, I think that that's going to wrap up the tight end talk. Um, Let's jump into the offensive line. Um, There are a bunch of different ways we could start, but let's not get creative. Let's just talk about these four tackles and what order you have them in right now.
1: Yeah, and how to differentiate because you're talking about my top tackle is Becton, ninth on my board, My last of the four tackles is Jedrick Wills, 14th on my board. So in those five spots, there's four tackles. You know, (laughs) they're pretty closely grouped. Um, Henry Ruggs and DeAndre Swift are the only guys breaking up that mix. Becton and Wirfs are the super high upside guys um, for different reasons. Wirfs, total freak athlete. Um, His biggest selling point was how seamlessly he played this year when Iowa's left tackle was hurt and he just played on the blind side like it was nobody's business, was just insanely talented um, when it comes to that, and moves so well, versatile, uh, but a little rough around the edges. I'd like to see him be more physical, especially when he gets to the second level uh, with that initial punch, all of that. Becton, massive improvements, just an outlier for his size. And an outlier for how well he moves for his size. His talent in pass pro is unlimited because he's got those smooth feet and that size to recover at all. If his knee bend is consistent, if he's getting his lower half engaged to run block consistently, which I think he will in the NFL when he's um, playing with his hand in the ground and popping more and having to play with more leverage just based on that alone. I think the sky's the limit for this kid and could easily be a top five tackle in the NFL by the, within the first three years, um, while worse might need just a little more coaching. Andrew Thomas, he's much more NFL ready, uh, great run blocker, insane length, and tested really well in the agility where he needs to work is his balance. Um, he's almost worse than Becton in this is he can reach or overextend too much and then he's out of position and he can get himself in trouble. Um, And then Wills, more of a boxy frame, tested really well, but that testing was all on north and south athleticism. The question is his east and west mobility. When he's got a blitzer and he needs to come off his initial assignment and pick up that blitzer, does he have it? When he's put out on a screen, does he have it? Because that Michigan game really exposed him in those areas. Take the Michigan game away. He was the cleanest prospect of the bunch based on his tape last year. But he seems to me like a right tackle only, maybe even better suited at guard. Um, The other guys have like top five upside to be offensive tackles in the league. Wills, I think, is more of a top 10, top 15 kind of guy, which still means you'll be making millions, tens of millions of dollars per year. It just doesn't mean you're like the elite of the elite.
0: All right. Uh, That's Uh, that's a lot of good stuff. Um, Okay. So if if you were to say right now, which one of these guys has the best shot to take over Garrett Bowles starting job, Um, let's say for week one of this season, who's most likely to take that over or have taken that over by week 16 this season. And then same thing for week one of the 2021 season
1: week one it's definitely andrew thomas week 16 of 2020 i will say i guess it's kind of a toss-up between i I think beckton has the slight edge because he's had more experience on the left side over Worfs, and then Worfs uh week one of 2020
0: okay that's good to know all right um and then after those guys uh what what happens from there? Are are you missing out on guys who could play this season, or are these guys who could play this season but don't have the upside? What's the difference uh-huh. between the the top tier and what's coming after it?
1: Yeah, I think the two most uh, NFL ready guys of that next tier are going to be Josh Jones as your left tackle and Josh Jones, uh, very clean and pass pro. There are questions of what is the upside. As a run blocker, what kind of power element does he have to his game? He's far from an elite athlete like so many of the guys in the class. So the overall upside he has, because he doesn't have the longest frame either, is there. But he's a ready-made left tackle who, again, I think um, could easily be a top 15 left tackle in the league and make a ton of money. lucas niang probably the most nfl ready right tackle of that next tier um how he transitions there will be interesting um he's 6'5", 315, 320. niang though sometimes looks like three he's 350 pounds um he needs to be a little smoother in the way he moves but boy he's effective and he engulfs guys he's tough to get by um And then the high upside guys who we mentioned even earlier as the big risers on my board, Ezra Cleveland and Austin Jackson, they're kind of in that next tier competing with Jones and Nia.
0: All right. Uh, There were the rumors that were coming out last week about Isaiah Wilson being a first-round pick. Where does he stand in your mind?
1: He would be... um, at the end of that second tier with two other sec offensive tackles Auburn's left tackle Prince Tega Wanagoo and Shadiq Charles for LSU Charles suspended six games last year um, some substance stuff which maybe the new CBA um, helps because that's one of the things that'll be taken off Um, Mm -hmm. both Wanagu and Charles incredible athletes just a little rough Wanagu has shorter arms so you can see that like in a phone booth, he's gonna struggle a little. Guys get in his chest a little too easily. But when he's dictating the pace, when he's the aggressor, boy, he's he's on fire. Charles, incredible upside, similar to Wanagoo. Wilson, right tackle, sturdy big boy, three hundred and fifty pounds, six five plus, mega length. Former top recruit, like top ten in the country. But he's raw, man. He brings you power in the run game. Uh, he's not. He's gonna struggle in longer pass sets you can't ask him to pass protect for four seconds he's just not going to do it so you need to kind of manufacture stuff you need to give him help and pass pro, and you need to really develop it
0: all right uh, let's jump back in the draft even further um how about Hakeem Adeniji? where does he fit in is, is he somebody who you could be looking at in the first two days of the draft
1: I think towards the end of day two, you could be looking at the Kansas left tackle in that range. Think about him. He was tried at the senior bowl exclusively as a guard. And I thought did really, really well. He really stood out as one of the better pass protecting guards in mobile because yeah, he's a natural left tackle. He's just not going to be good enough to play tackle in the NFL as a guard. I think he could be extraordinary, And maybe in schemes that really prioritize athleticism over length and power, he might have a chance to stick at tackle. But I really think his fit in the NFL is more at guard.
0: Okay. Uh, What about Ben Barch?
1: Love him. Love him, love him, love him. The left tackle at St. John's, Division II player. You don't see that very often. Uh, Dominated there, though, and dominated at the Senior Bowl, or at least held his own which was huge for him because those small school guys, they got impressed in those settings. I'd love him as a developmental piece who can be your right or left tackle by 2021 with some, some development. The raw tools, the elite for him, but he's smart. He moves so well, he'll have a place in the league, and he'll be able to start at a premium position, which is nothing to, you know, nothing to take light.
0: Okay, um, I want to talk about some of the really late-round guys now. Um, some guys you like, but uh, before we jump into like letting you pick out some, I want to talk about Calvin Throckmorton. He's a guy who we've been talking about since very early in the football season, um, yeah. sometimes as a second-round pick, sometimes yeah. as a maybe take a flyer at the seventh round. Yeah. Where would you see his value at right now, first of all?
1: Midday three. As a guard, um, and look rewatching his tape he we weren't just crazy during the season doing these pots. he played really well, you know uh, uh, you watch u s c you watch uh, Utah, you watch Auburn. He held his own quite nicely on uh what we what I think is fair to say was the best offensive line in the country, mm-hmm. which might surprise some people, but we were pretty consistent in that analysis, and I think it it it, ranked, it, it stayed true um he just uh, lacking those raw, raw tools. That's what's going to get him because he, but he plays with a good physical edge um, and he moves well. He's smart. He's sound. Um, so he's got the, the pieces you want in place. He just left such a bad taste in my mouth after the senior bowl where he got dominated and then didn't test well at the combine. So he really hurt himself in the draft process.
0: All right. Um, any other late round guys that you like at tackle?
1: maybe not even late round but towards the end of day 2 i think matthew pert the right tackle for connecticut um will stick because again back to the raw tools he does possess those raw tools especially on the length size side and moves good enough for that size to at least be a starting level uh right tackle in the nfl with a year or two of development but he'll 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 find a place in my top 100
0: okay um Any others? Uh, Trey Adams from Washington?
1: Trey Adams, man, yeah. I mean, a guy who like two years ago was being ranked as a top 10 player at any position um, in the class, and then just back-to-back injuries have really hurt him. He doesn't have great length. He doesn't have great athleticism. You wonder how much of that athleticism has been sapped by these injuries. Um, We'll see this draft. The more I talk to you today – the more I think this draft might really be where day one starters and guys who don't have injury or character concerns will get overdrafted while guys who do have those issues will, get, will really slide drastically. Um, and Trey Adams, like Viska and Tua, could really be a victim of that.
0: Okay. Um, any other thoughts that you have on the tackles before we move inside?
1: You know, guys like Jack Driscoll of Auburn, um, Terrence Steele of Texas Tech, Colton McKinstanton of West Virginia all have the size to fit in some role and be developmental tackles. And then a small school guy in Alex Taylor of South Carolina state might be worth a flyer on day three. All right. Um, Inside.
0: um, This has been a weird year for interior offensive linemen. I feel like Uh, a bit. You have Tyler Biotish being a, a, a unanimous first round pick a few months ago. Then he's overtaken by Lloyd Cushenberry. And that's Lloyd Cushenberry's a first-round pick and Biadish is a fourth-round pick. And then you have Cesar Ruiz from Michigan yeah. get thrown up in there. And now yeah. it's kind of looking like Cesar Ruiz may be the only one
1: of that bunch who
0: actually has a real shot at the first round. These are all centers, by the
1: way. Right, they're all centers. And yeah, coming into the season, it was Biadesh in the Oklahoma center who ended up going back to school as the top guys. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's been really interesting. Yeah, you're right. There has been that jostling among the top three. And now Ruiz does seem like the favorite. And it's because he has more power than Cushionberry, playing in that gap power scheme at Michigan, where he really held his own, was really kind of uh, not a tone setter because the power is kind of the weaker area of his game, but he moves well too. Uh, certainly better than Biadash. So that's what's kind of separated him um, on one of the better offensive lines in the country as well because my interior top 20, it's a lot of Michigan guys. It's like four Michigan guys on it. Um, But it's dominated by those centers early um, with Ruiz having the better combo of athleticism and power, Cushenberry having the really nice athleticism great film against tough competition though far from flawless and the high IQ and leadership and the Adash having that power tone setting ability, but also that IQ and leadership. And then after that, it's really kind of a free for all um, beauty in the eye of the beholder. Um, you know, it's some centers, some guards, some converted tackles who fit in at guard. Um, it's, it's a free for all. for sure. Okay. Um, with a guy like Cesar Ruiz,
0: He's your undisputed day one starter, right? Should be, yep. And and he should be... I mean, would you expect him to have a Dalton Reisner type season? Um, or or was that mm-hmm. saying the bar too high, too low?
1: Good question. I think that's maybe a tad too high. Um, then again, Dalton did show his rookie colors by the second half of the season, maybe partly because he wasn't 100%. But I thought early on when he was 100% he he was he was becoming one of the best guards in all football already that might be a little too much to expect about Ruiz but not that far off i mean that should be the pedigree we have here and what you should generally be expecting from Ruiz yes
0: okay and then what about cushionberry and, and Biotis?
1: Along the same lines, guys that should be able to start very early on in their first seasons um, and be be serviceable starters might need more development before they can reach that tippy top tier of uh, guards or interior alignment in the NFL.
0: Okay. Um, And then behind those top three at center, are there any other guys that you think would start day one?
1: good question um adon could potentially um in a left guard spot i think matt hennessy the temple center in a zone scheme could use as athleticism and start right away um potentially ben bredson jonah jackson shane lemieux kind of the top pure guards in this class could start right away um but that's more of a toss-up
0: okay um what, what are some of the more developmental guys that you like?
1: Yeah, I really like Natane Muti, the left tackle from Fresno State. When he was on the field, he was awesome. Um, just a boxy frame for a tackle. And the problem with him is the injuries. If he's healthy, though, he might even have been a first-round prospect. Um, he's that good. Okay. Any um, Any others? I like John Runyon, the Michigan left tackle who will have to convert inside. Uh, Throckmorton kind of fits here. I know uh, we had – maybe it was on Twitter or the podcast, I forget, but Logan Sternberg was a guard from Kentucky that one, uh, I guess Kentucky Bronco uh, really, liked. finally watched him more. He's very solid. I think he'll be uh, a guy who could be competing for a starting job down the line. Um, yeah, those are some names that throw out there.
0: Okay. Um, I think they'll pretty much do it uh, for yeah. offensive linemen. Um, overall, it, it seems like a pretty strong class of offensive linemen.
1: Very strong for the tackles, mm-hmm. uh, about average for the interior linemen or slightly above average, but very, very strong for the tackles. I mean, we're talking probably the best offensive tackle class I've ever studied.
0: Wow. Okay, let's leave it at that. Uh, Before we jump into all your questions, including a question from last week that we did not forget, uh, and I want to tell you about Strava Craft Coffee. We love Strava Craft Coffee because it is CBD-infused and also because they ship it to your door, and that makes things convenient. Um, If if you have anxiety or IBS or back pain or... uh, I'm not sure if I said migraines, but I think migraines is one of them. I mean, those are all things that people yep, have used totally. CBD for to either limit how much that affects them or totally eliminate it. If you haven't tried CBD, StravaCraft is a great way to try it. It's just infused in the coffee. It's not psychoactive. It just uh, does the good things that marijuana does without getting you high. Or like maybe there's lung problems, too, if you smoke. I don't know. All I know is it's good coffee. It's good for you. And with the code dnvr 20 you can get free shipping and 20% off your purchase from StravaCraft.
1: Yeah, I don't know if you've been having this problem, but Kate and I, to kind of break up the day working from home, we love that afternoon coffee, but it's sometimes too much. Mm-hmm. If you do Strava instead, that's perfect. In it fact, I don't perfect. know what we've been doing. I've got <laughs> a bunch of Strava beans. I just need to grind up and get her done
0: you know? yep so you can get beans you can get grounds uh you can get k cups whatever it is that you do to drink your coffee uh strava Craft will make it easy for you to make the switch so definitely get in on that and definitely use the code DMVR20. all right uh final segment now of the f- i almost said this week's draft podcast and i realized that there are two of them um so f- final segment of the first of two podcasts, draft podcasts this week. Um, let's start with uh, the questions on this week's show, then we'll jump back to the one that we left from last week um, because we went two hours. Okay. Um, scrolling down to the bottom. Oh. Got it. Oh, the Count Locula says, Gents, top three all-time guys you graded high that proved not to be as amazing as you thought. Top three that you spurned only to be proven very wrong, top three out of the blue prospects that excelled at the next level but were never on your radar. Love the count.
1: Okay, start. Top three that I had ranked very high that haven't lived up. I'll give you a top five. Um, Chance Warmack, first draft okay. I did. I thought he was just an incredible guard, good, decent guard, but not like generational, like top three at his position. Um, Marcus Mariota, who I thought would just be fantastic, yep. Um, hasn't panned out. Leonard Mm -hmm. Williams, same draft class, hasn't lived up to the great Shane Ray Ray and Randy Gregory, who got hurt by uh off field issues and when they were on the field weren't that great either. So,
0: yep. And I haven't been doing like official draft scouting. But uh, I can tell you that I've been pounding the table in the past for guys who did not pan out. Uh, I think wh- one of my things is that I'm really into long defensive linemen. Like if you if you throw like a six five, like two hundred ninety something pound defensive lineman oh, cool. at me, I'm I'm gonna go head over heels for him. And that's typically where I've been wrong in the past. Guys like Robert Kumdici, that was probably the the biggest one for me. I was sure that he was just going to break the NFL. Um, basically, everybody yeah. who the 49ers drafted for that defensive line until Nick Bosa made them good. So I guess I wasn't totally mm-hmm. wrong. Um, but like DeForest Buckner. Solomon Thomas. Thomas. Exactly. Yeah. Like all Reuben, those just Foster, like. Yeah. Exactly. Everybody with those lines. Ooh, Ruben Foster is actually a good one. Mm-hmm. I thought that he would panic. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think I'll just say that, that typically I'm wrong a lot about defensive lineman with long arms so don't listen to me on those guys uh dre do you want to go to your uh what's next oh oh th- top 3 you spurned and were wrong about
1: yeah um well i don't know if it's a spurned but i had <laughs> um i had i had serious doubts about patrick mahomes and had him ranked in uh, like 70th prospect um you know, I just never seen an air raid guy make it, and I, I, I guess that is a spurning, right? Is yep. downgrading someone for some generic reason that they can't control, like the offense they're playing in. Yep. Um, I also spurned Carson Wentz to a lesser extent. He's still at a first round grade, but um, injuries aside, has proved to be better uh, than I than I projected. Um, non quarterback. I'm trying to think. Oh, here, David Bakhtiari, I spurned. Um, I was like, oh, those Colorado teams were so bad. I'm not even going to bother. It was like the reverse hometown guy where it was uh. like, oh, I watch Colorado football enough to know like everyone on that team is bad. I don't even need to worry about it. I kind of did the same with Nate Solder. To a lesser extent, huh. like Solder was kind of shaky at CU at times. So, um, so yeah, it, I, I underlooked those guys as well.
0: Yeah, I can't think of any that I didn't like that turned out to be good. I mean, I have I typically don't dislike prospects. I I, I think really the only two I've really hated have been Paxton Lynch and Garrett Bowles, because in the past I've only looked at it through a very Broncos lens, like who are the guys the Broncos could be after, and 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 right both those guys, boy did they disappoint me. Ooh, I think I was also kind of disappointed in the Cortland Sutton pick. I'll say that too. That was definitely wrong. Um, I wasn't I wasn't like, oh, no, this is a disaster like I was when they drafted Paxton Lynch. But I did say, like, I'm not so sure that this is the type of guy. Like, can you build an offense around somebody who's just that big? Like, don't you need a little bit more wiggle, that kind of stuff?
1: Uh-huh. And right.
0: uh, was wrong about that for sure.
1: Oh, there you go.
0: Um, and then there's a final one.
1: Uh, top three blue, out of process. the blue. Tyreek. Never- oh. Hyreek Hill would be the first one that comes to mind. Now, obviously, I hadn't heard much about him because he was a borderline draftable prospect out of West Alabama. And when I put on his tape for a speedster, he wasn't separating as much as he should have at that point. Clearly a lot going on and probably not playing his best football once he transferred to West Alabama and the Chiefs were able to unlock something that wasn't there. Also, as soon as I heard the off-field concerns, I wrote him off. So, um, Frank Clark, same thing. Didn't expect him to go anywhere close to round two because it took me five minutes of research on what was going on with his off-field domestic violence stuff to um, completely write him off. So he was kind of an out-of-the-blue guy who I didn't expect to be um, as high as he was. trying to think any other small school, you know, like I'd never heard of Adam Thielen before he broke out. Yeah. Um, I just hadn't scouted that small school in Minnesota. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's about it.
0: All right. That's a good list. Uh, Next question from Johnny G says, Hey guys, I love listening to the draft pod and learning more about the prospects and guys that I wouldn't know about because I'm one of those fans that doesn't have a college team. So I don't learn about college players until I learn about players as they're getting toward the draft. Mm-hmm. I have my dream scenario laid out in my mind. So just for shiggles, great word, great Beautiful. word, pushing those together. Unless this is something for the Broncos podcast. Like I'm I'm not letting Ryan get away with coming up with something like shiggles oh, You know, maybe. like that just maybe. makes me want to smack him. Johnny G, though, if that's your thing, two thumbs up from me. Um let's say the LA drafts Judy in the first round. Either we trade up for him or the board falls perfectly that way. My question is, who do you guys like in more of that speedster role that we could draft after that initial top tier? Thank you for all of your expertise and the film rooms. It truly helps me get to know the players and see who the great additions to our team could be. Johnny G. All right. Um, so, I, what what is the speedster that you can get after the top tier?
1: Yeah, so with Jalen Ragar and Kate j hamler count maybe not maybe they're still in that top tier Mm -hmm. so the next tier down would be kj hill not a true speedster but he can help even out the offense because you have judy who's more of a speedster he can be that quick separation slot guy Mm -hmm. Then jefferson same thing Mm -hmm. then you have then another guy i really like antonio gibson
0: the That's a good one. running
1: back wide receiver of Memphis. He could really work well. Just need to develop his route running. Lim Bowden Jr. from Kentucky. Watching his tape early in the year where he's playing wide receiver, does a nice job of creating separation on those little comebackers, those sideline routes. I like Bowden. Um, so those are really those are my favorite late rounders. There are other names I could throw out there that we've thrown out there before. But those are the guys that I like, not just speed guys to throw out there for the sake of throwing them out.
0: Who would you like to pair with Jerry Judy? What would be your dream second receiver to draft? Whether you take a guy in the second round or the third round, fourth round. I don't know. Are you going for another big receiver? Do you want a true slot? I think for me, I'd be looking for somebody who isn't you know, that big. Maybe one of those long starters, like a Denzel Mims type of mold. Somebody who's fast and pretty long.
1: Obviously, you wouldn't be able to stag both, but. The right, speed or quickness are a requirement. So either I'm going the KJ Hill right, or if you have a route, or you have a little more size to you, but you're still running into four fours. Whether you tested like that or not, you're creating separation vertical. Yeah. Um, so I guess like Donovan Peoples Jones, maybe even Brian Edwards have enough of that to his game. Um,
0: Brian Edwards yeah. is a good one. Edwards I think that would be, be a fun. great pairing with. Jerry yeah. Judy. Uh, yeah, true. Because you need to have all of those like screens, all those motions, the jet sweeps, all that kind of stuff in your offense. And I think mm-hmm. Jerry Judy could do a lot of those things and be successful, but you're not necessarily putting him at his best when you're doing that. So allowing him to keep running routes while bringing in a guy like Brian Edwards or a Visca or even like a Chase Claypool and say, hey, we need mm-hmm. you guys to spend half the time running these routes. We need you guys catching some screens. We need you guys you know, running those jet sweeps, running those options, all these trick plays. I don't know. I think that that would just set your offense to be super high powered in the modern era of football. Yeah. Um, what about with uh, Lamb? Who's, who's Who are your favorite pairings with him? And Sutton, obviously. And Antonio and Gibson
1: would kind of fit that mold too. He really
0: would. He really would. And I think it'll be interesting to see whether the Broncos, like how many skill position guys will the Broncos add? Are they looking at getting two receivers? Could they get two receivers and a running back um, with, you know, they, they have some depth at receiver. They have Tim Patrick. They have Deshaun Hamilton. Deontay Spencer is a lot of fun. At running back, you have Melvin Gordon and Phil Lindsay and Royce Freeman. Um, could you get two receivers and an Antonio Gibson? I don't know.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mm-hmm. mind.
0: Um, all right. Let's uh, move along to the next question. Uh, there it is from BJack17. Hey guys, I love the podcast. I have a few quick questions for you. One, how would you rate this year's O line and wide receiver prospects compared to the past two years? For example, if Calvin Ridley or Marquise Brown were coming out this year, where would they rank? Two, what would you think about the Broncos trading their second round pick to Washington for Trent Williams if they were able to land one of the top three receivers in the first? He's still pretty young, elite talent. But we would need to sign him to a large contract after this year. Thank you to everyone there at DNVR. It's awesome having so much content on my teams to read slash listen to all the way down here in Florida. Appreciate you, b Okay, yeah. so let's jump into the first one. Um, combining the tackles yes. and receivers. So let's just start with the one he threw out there. Calvin Ridley, Marquise Brown, where do they fit as prospects if they were in this class?
1: Marquise Brown would be right in the mix with Henry Ruggs for me. Mm-hmm. Um, just a little behind because there were a few more uh, frame concerns, injury concerns, one dimensional type stuff. Yep. Uh, but he'd be right in the mix. He, he'd probably be behind Justin Jefferson just because this class is so loaded. But he'd be right there. Calvin Ridley, same thing, behind Justin Jefferson, um, but still right in that first round grade uh, mix for sure. Uh, as far as old lines of the past, I should bring up a couple. All right.
0: Um, so for me, I know I can't remember if I said this on the podcast or if I was just telling Dre, but uh, last week or the week before, who knows because time isn't real, um, I wound yeah. up watching a bunch of Marquise Brown tape from college just so I could compare them to Henry Ruggs and see how much different they look. Um, and you can definitely see a difference. Um, for for as much as I say, you know Henry Ruggs needs to develop the route running. It is not where that needs to be yet for him to be successful on a on I don't know in a regular role as a receiver. Um, Marquise Brown was even more raw, but yep. but he was also smaller. You you were seeing the drops. You you were seeing uh, you're seeing that he needed the separation to make catches more than Henry Ruggs does. Um, uh-huh. although I think you could also say that he generates more separation um, yes speed um, so yeah for me I mean it's, it's exactly what you said I think that there might be teams who liked Marquise Brown better than Henry Ruggs but I think those teams would definitely be in the minority and he'd probably be right there with Calvin Ridley um, just behind Justin Jefferson
1: uh-huh.
0: um, and the tackles do you have some tackle takes
1: Yes, I sure do, if this will ever load. Here we go. Okay. Last year, Andre Dillard is the top offensive tackle taken. He would have been – yeah, he would have been behind Becton, Werfs, and Thomas for me. Wills as well. He would have been in the mix with Ezra Cleveland. Okay. Um and Titus Howard, Caleb McGarry, those guys would be way behind. I mean, you know, we're not even – it's, like, silly to even <laughs> to even think of where they would rank. In. Where would
0: where would Reisner rank in this class? Where would he go?
1: Uh, it'd be hard to slot him in with the tackles. Um, in the interior O-linemen, I think he'd be giving – Cush and Barry a run for his money as the second interior guy. Okay. Yeah, and then you know I think of like what was it Colton Miller, mm-hmm. the, the top tackle in 2018. He would have ranked, I mean, lower down than Lucas Niang, Prince Swan. I mean, he would have ranked where Isaiah Wilson ranks, as like the 12th tackle. Um, which is just crazy to think. It is so. There's you know the top tackles from the last couple of years, wouldn't wouldn't even sniff the top four this year.
0: All right, uh, and there is a second part to this question. So uh, he asks, would you trade a second round pick for Trent Williams if the Broncos get a receiver in the first round? Um, I'd be interested for sure. If, if I were the one making those calls, you know, Trent Williams, he is, I think he's 31. And so he is kind of on that downswing. Um, yeah. I would like it a lot better if you could grab an, an Ezra Cleveland. Uh, I think that, that that value makes a lot more sense. You know, you may not be getting a Trent Williams type of tackle, but you're also not paying Trent Williams money and uh-huh. right. saving that. And maybe you do have to patch a hole at right tackle after this year um, maybe right. you don't like what you have at Juwan with James, then you have the flexibility to actually just go fix that problem. Same thing, you could need an interior guy or a whole another position. You are so much more flexible if you're able to work with a young guy. Um, but, you know, if, if, if none of those top tier two guys are there, I wouldn't hate the move. I think, I think that it'd actually be pretty exciting, especially just for this first year, seeing what this offense could look like with the top receiver and Trent Williams at tackle and you retain all those third-round picks to patch other holes.
1: Good point. It really depends on which tackles are left at pick 46. I'd be very reluctant to give up that much cap on a guy that's that injury-prone on top of that second-round
0: pick. Yep. Yep. Um, Moving along to the next question. Uh, Oh, and I'm back at the homepage.
1: Uh, Oh, I can get this from DTL. Hey, guys, no question. Just a quick comment. When Henry said we might need a tackle because, you know, James could be injured again and Bulls is Bulls, had me literally dying laughing for a solid 10 minutes. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> he did that. I
0: know. <laughs> I wish it was a joke and not just a very real scenario.
1: That's outstanding. Thank you, DTL. I appreciate it. Yeah. Then he has a, an actual question for us, and he says, Hey, y'all, sorry I lied. Actually, I have a question. I did a mock draft for the first four rounds and came out with what I think could be the best case scenario. What do you all think? He has Judy at 15, Noah I at 46. Uh, you're not
0: saying the name. Nope. Igbenajani.
1: Yeah, there you go. Very well done. <laughs> Prince Tegawanogu at 77, Chase Claypool at 83. There's your Claypool-Judy um, matchup. As we were saying. Tyler Biadas at 95, and Devin Duvernay at 118.
0: So that's a lot of receivers. I think that's the first note. Um, yes. I think that that's one of my two knocks. The second knock is that if Chase Claypool's there, I would guess Brian Edwards was there, and I like Brian Edwards better right same, now.
1: Same. Agreed. Um, but yeah,
0: but Noy I, Benajanet, I mean, love that. Tegawanagu, love that. Biotish, love that. Um, Claypool Duvernay, you know one of them is contributing this year. That's the mm-hmm. other thing I like. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that that's another big part of this draft for me is that usually takes receivers so long to pan out like if, if you, I bet if you looked through like the top 10 in receiving yards, it would be a ways back that you saw a rookie ever compete in there. But I, th- I think that in the first round, all three of those guys have a real shot. Those top three to, to be that type of receiver, particularly Jerry Judy. Um, and then when you're taking more risks with guys like Claypool Duvernay, I'm confident, you know, it's 50, 50. One of them can really be a NFL level contributor right away. So two times 50 is a hundred. So basically you've got it. Is that right? How that math works?
1: Yeah, that sounds about
0: right. Let's go with it. Um, any other thoughts on that draft?
1: I mean, you're getting first round value with those first, like four picks. Yeah. Yeah. You really could be, you know? So yeah, I mean, that'd be amazing for sure.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Hopefully things fall that way. Yeah. Um, Onion Booty Bronco, who I think is a new commenter because I think I'd remember that name.
1: Uh, oh yeah, Onion Booty though. He he comments on the regular Broncos. Uh, oh okay. The m- mace pronounces the name kind of kind of funny. He's a great guy. I bet. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. I, I listened to some. Oh my goodness. I, I've listened to t- two of the recent ones, and uh, let's see. I think was it yesterday's? I think all in this same show. Zach said. Oh, no, 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 no. Zach, Zach said the sentence, griddle, what a word. Ryan, I think, read like a listener submitted recipe for bacon Brussels sprouts. And Mace explained why Alzheimer's is bad. Like I turned on the podcast just having no idea where all these things are going. And, oh my God. And like, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I think Mace's explanation of how horrible it would be to have Alzheimer's, like I've I've lost, I guess I only lost one grandfather to Alzheimer's, but I've had two that had it. And, uh, oh, wow. It's rough, but like listening to him tell it, it's just like, wow, what, what a thing to be talking about on the show. I don't know. It's it was a great. incredible, the,
1: the tangents, they get lost. It's so it's much fun. You just it.
0: never know what's going to come up. Um, but yeah, no surprise yeah. that onion booty Bronco is a phrase that Mace says strangely. Um, Here's the comment, though. I think that's what we're here for. Hey, hey, ho, ho, say, say, no, no. Happy Monday, gents. Oh, I love that. Um, it was either on First Take or Giddy Up today where the pundits were discussing whether Dwayne Haskins or Daniel Jones will have a better sophomore season. And I'm like, hello, Earth Tamikas, what about Drew Locke? You were right. Uh, it's only now that I realize they left out Kyler Murray, too. So it must have been an NFC East thing. Still, Drew Locksmith, don't get no love from the globe Sphere how do you project the sophomore quarterbacks will rank at the end of the season and why go all the best onion booty? I think that that's meant for the normal podcast.
1: It is. <laughs> no, we, we could rank uh, Kyler, oh. Kyler lock, Daniel Jones and Haskins real quick. So, we will uh, be
0: doing that. We're going drew lock one.
1: You think so? Huh? Over Who would you Kyler? Put it
0: Over Kyler? I mean, I, I admittedly, I didn't watch a lot of him. I really liked him coming out, but also I actually put saw drew lock and I liked it. Like yeah, did he did he actually?
1: True. I don't know. Well, let me pull up. Some, like, I happy. think Locke has to be in the top two spots. I was rewatching some uh, Henderson against Missouri in 2018, and boy, I just was thinking like, how could Locke have ever have dropped out of the first with how good he was? They they Missouri whooped Florida last year, and Florida like that defense was stacked, um, and Drew Locke and the that offense put 40 plus on them. It was insane. So, no, I think I'd go Kyler, Drew, neck and neck, larger (laughs) gap, Daniel Jones. Uh, But I still believe in Haskins. But, you know, with what they've shown in the NFL so far, i got to put Daniel Jones ahead of Haskins, right?
0: All right. I like it. I went back and watched – well, first I watched the Texans game, the Broncos-Texans game from a couple uh, – I watched that a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And last night I watched the Lions game. Which was fun. This morning I watched the Vikings. I'm just going back and watching so many. I feel like like I don't want to watch any of the losses really, um. Except I am watching yeah. the Vikings, I guess. But I also don't want to uh, watch games where there's no Drew Lock. So I'm kind of running out. Um, let's see. Oh no, I think I. Oh no, no, no. This is it. This is it. Broncos four one nine. Uh, this is the comment from last week. It says, hey, guys, love what you're doing Is this is one of the most exciting times of the year for myself and many other fans. I love draft time. And no, wait.
1: Three- oh wait. It's abs watch 22. That's the question.
0: Oh, yeah. As I'm getting into this, I'm realizing that that it's was definitely not that.
1: Hey, big Hank and Stallion. It's this. It's oh, the right. second comment on last week. Uh,
0: there it is. Yeah. Yep, I was on the wrong one um as watch 22 says hey bacon or big egg and stallion how are you guys doing today my excitement grows by the day with your guys's coverage of the draft there have started to become some worst case scenarios but even then i still feel confident in the broncos to come out of this draft with all of the remaining holes in receiver and offensive line filled by the end of the draft to go back to something i brought up to you guys last week i asked if we could sacrifice our two our first two-thirds to trade up to eight with the Cardinals for Rugs, And you were both opposed to it for Rugs, but not as much for Lamb and Judy. My question is, do the Broncos have as many holes they need to plug as they have draft picks? I believe they have 10 total picks. So while I heard your concerns on not giving up two top 100 picks, can we agree that the best case scenario for the Broncos is to use one of their third rounders to trade up with uh, with maybe a team like the Jets at 11 if all it takes is 15 and one of the three-thirds this year? Is that fair price to pay to get one of the top receivers? Should they still be there? Just kind of spitballing ideas at you guys because I'm not, or I'm sure there are plenty of other scenarios where the Broncos stamp hat at 15, get alignment, and then find a way to draft Visca in the late first, early second. I'm still clutching onto my hope that Visco becomes a Bronco now since he could slip past the first round. As always, love your work, guys, and thank you for the extensive defensive back coverage episode that dropped today. Was very pleasant on the ears while I was productive. Um. So again, I, I think that you definitely don't have 10 holes you need to fill with your 10 picks, but I don't think that you can bank on filling any hole with any of your last four picks, any, any of those fifth, sixth, or two,
1: sevens. Um Yeah, that's a great question from Spencer. Um, and interesting. I think where we're at is really one third, maybe multiple thirds is the limit, but not three thirds, not a second uh you just can't give up that much clearly they have more they have fewer needs than 10 picks but as you pointed out those top 5 picks are really the picks with which you're going to be able to address those five immediate needs and i think it really is five between yep. offensive tackle center wide receiver linebacker and cornerback and maybe a second wide receiver a second offensive tackle you know to the a safety Right, right. those are needs you save for later on um they they could use seven picks, but it'd be nice to have five top hundred picks. I mean that's really you know I keep harping on the top hundred that's where you're really gonna get your value as three five potential future starters that so that'd be huge, yep, exactly, and
0: I think that uh even if you uh even if y- y- you move down Mm -hmm. you can you can get back up in the second round and there's still so much value there there's there are just so many pieces that that you can add when you have this many top 100 picks you just don't get opportunities like this all that often and that's why I don't think you want to screw it up you know maybe in another year when the Broncos are closer when all they need Mm -hmm. is one receiver then yeah you move up and you make sure you get that receiver right now they need a receiver they need another receiver they need a left tackle they need a center they need a cornerback they need a safety a linebacker and you can kind of keep going and then you factor in that throughout the course of the season players are going to get hurt and just because you have your five offensive linemen doesn't mean that you're going to have all five every week or that all are going to play like you expect and so adding depth um Finding an extra cornerback, finding an extra defensive lineman, finding these pieces like it's just so important that you keep those developing. See if they turn into something. Um, again, I, I'm right. very much of the thought process that you want to you want to give yourself as many chances to to get a hit as you can. Um, and you know what? Maybe maybe it is worth limiting the risk by moving up from 15 to nine. Two-thirds is a lot, though. And I'd much rather see him move back, I think
1: two-thirds is where I can stand it. It's more than that. It really becomes tough for me. really yep. becomes tough the to stomach, yeah,
0: because yeah, again, like if if Beadish is sitting there with your first third round pick, And you trade that first third round pick and he gets taken the first five picks of the third round. And so you don't get another shot at him. Mm -hmm. And that's something that can change the course of this franchise. Like just because it is Jerry Judy who could also change the course of the franchise or, or Henry Roggs or whoever it is, or one of the tackles, you you just, you just got to play the board as it falls to you, I think. And and don't try to be over aggressive. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, and don't forget it's, five top hundred picks in one of the best drafts we've ever seen for two premium positions, like wide receiver and tackle. Yep. Like it's the stars have kind of aligned. You need to take advantage of this and not squander this opportunity.
0: Yep. Load up on guys who are going to be starting three years from now and, and you should be grabbing at least five of those. Yep. And you got so many in the last couple of years. I don't know. I just, just keep bringing guys in once, once they make the playoffs and when maybe they make the playoffs this year and they lose because whatever, they couldn't stop some pass rusher or they, they were taken advantage of in the middle of the field or they couldn't get after the quarterback or they couldn't stop the running game. And, and you really do think that you're a one piece, maybe two pieces away from contention, Super Bowl contention. That's where I like to see the trade-up. Or if you're on the other end of the spectrum, you need a quarterback. I still don't love it, but I could see why I could justify it easier. For a receiver, eh. I, I think you take Justin Jefferson and you also snag a Biotish or an identity or uh mm-hmm. whoever else you like in the third round, or actually maybe both those guys.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally. I'm with you. Okay, cool. Cool.
0: Well, that's going to do it for this week. We will be, or no, it's not. No, it's not. It's going to do it for today. We'll be back later this week with another draft pod. Um, this will be the end of us rounding out our position groups. We're going to be talking about offensive skill positions. We're going to give our final rankings on guys like Jerry Judy, like Henry Ruggs, like C.D. Lamb. Um, we're going to dig into the running backs, the quarterbacks, um, and then we're going to move into draft week. And we have some cool stuff planned for draft week, Perfect. too, that I think you guys are going to love. As always, appreciate you guys listening. Um, if you like the podcast, leave a review somewhere or everywhere would also work. Just just whoever you want to tell, whether it's iTunes, whether it's Spotify, whether it's your best friend, we appreciate that. And uh, we also appreciate your questions. So if you guys have any, leave them on the comment section for the post for today's show at ddnvr.com, and we will get to those later this week when we talk about offensive skill positions. All right, we will see you then.